0: To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about puro air in thirty minutes. This device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Pure Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA 14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Pure air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out PuroAir at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Like I mentioned before I went on vacation, I got this great question a little while back from one of my listeners who is an overwhelmed single parent. Libby shared her deeply personal struggles with me, but I realized that I haven't shared about my personal story. Yes, I talk about my kids and some of our struggles and how I deal with them, but I mean my true personal story my true why as to why helping parents is so important to me. Because this parent was brave enough to share her story with me, I realized it's time for me to be brave enough to share mine with all of you. Now Libby shared with me that she grew up with a difficult upbringing and is currently in therapy working on past issues with abandonment. She is trying her very best to give her kids security and attention, but feels like she might be falling short since she often feels burnt out. Not just from taking care of everyone's basic daily needs, but additionally working on her own personal emotional health and growth. She says, I care a lot about raising my kids right and I guess I feel guilty when I can't give them my undivided attention most days. The fact that she struggles with guilt in addition to dealing with her own journey towards mental health hit me so close to home. But I also think regardless of how amazing or difficult our childhoods may have been, I think we all feel guilty to some degree for not being able to give our kids more time and attention and therefore that this is an area that we can all relate to. How much is enough? Where is that line between giving our kids enough to thrive and to reach their potential and also making sure that we don't give away so much of ourselves that we're hurting ourselves and in turn our kids as well? So I'll circle back to Libby's question after I share about my story, which also became my reason for wanting to help parents be the best for themselves and their kids, helping them have confidence in their skills and their relationships with their kids. My very first memory is being screamed at. Out of control, red in the face, screamed at. I was maybe two years old. It was the end of the day after I'd been at the sitters all day and my mom had picked me up after work. I'm pretty sure I'd been asked to do something like take off my shoes or coat or something and I had refused. My mom's boyfriend had dropped off Disney books and balloons for me and I was so excited to look at them. Then the out-of-control screaming and threats started. She was out of control. I was scared and I broke down and I had a tantrum of my very own. This is my first memory. Fast forward some 36 or so odd years later and I'm rocking my very own newborn baby boy. It was the witching hour after 4 p.m. with a high-needs baby who didn't know how to sleep. He was beet red, screaming his little lungs out. I looked into this sweet little face, this innocent and amazing little being that I had made and I cried because I loved him so much it overwhelmed me and in that moment I swore that I would not let his first memory of me be something negative, that his first memory of me would be something sweet and loving or silly or anything other than fear, anger or sadness. As you may imagine, that incident was very much a foreshadowing of a lot of my childhood. And I don't mean to send the impression that there were not good moments or that my parents didn't do nice things for me or work hard to make or try to make my life a good one. They did, in their own way. But unfortunately, it was overshadowed by a lot of anger throughout the years. Blow-ups, screaming, yelling, verbal, and yes, even some physical abuse. It meant a lot of resentment on my part. It meant they lost a lot of credibility to guide me especially once I was a teen. It also meant that the level of our connection was, and still is, very limited. Too much pain, too much hurt, too much lost trust. So how was I going to do this? How was I going to forge a different path with my family? How would I find a different roadmap when I didn't know where or how the road started? It didn't matter. I was going to find it. The price was too high if I didn't. As I thought about this over the following weeks, I decided that I wasn't just going to help our family, but that I wanted to help as many parents and families as I could. That I was going to figure out the path and then share it with any parent who was interested in changing patterns in their own families. Or just any parent who wanted tools to make the best family they possibly could. So I decided to go back and get my master's in psychology and to make my specialty child development, parenting, and families. I wanted to save families from as much pain as possible. Pain of regret, pain of misunderstandings, pain from lessons learned the hard way or not learned at all. Yes, I was going to save people from lots of pain. So that's exactly what I did. I filled out an application in August. That next January, I took my first class that was needed before I could start the program. I started the program in July. My first baby was now 16 months old, and I was four months pregnant with twins. I was still working full-time and going to school on Saturdays. I won't go into just how uncomfortable I was sitting in a desk for eight hours of school on a Saturday once I got to be eight months pregnant with twins. They came at 36 weeks, I gave birth and went back to school the following Saturday, taking my newborn son with me so I could breastfeed and of course, snuggle him in a carrier. My daughter was still in the hospital for another week. I took turns each week taking one baby to class and then the other. It was really awesome. Anyway, obviously I finished the program and started working with children and families. I did a major portion of my counseling and therapy with middle school kids. The stories I got from these kids and their parents about the things they faced, the struggles they were having, wow! The challenges of parenting, especially teens, has changed immensely since I was a teen. I knew I needed and wanted to educate parents about what types of situations for which they would need to be prepared and prepare their children to make informed decisions. The most important piece, which has always been the case, is building and then maintaining a strong relationship. This means an understanding of children's developmental stages and having solid yet realistic expectations at each stage and working within that framework. It's easiest to set up this foundation in the early years and keep it throughout childhood, but even with that, it's never too late to start. So as I was going through this, working with children and families and working with a lot of middle school kids, during this time, I've got a two and a half year old at home who is really pushing the boundaries. In school, I actually learned about a system of discipline based on rewards and punishments. The punishments being time outs. If you've listened to my episodes or watched any of these classes where I've talked about time outs or rewards and punishments, then you know what research shows and how I feel about them now. But at that time, I didn't know and so I was putting a a two-and-a-half-year-old in timeout. What a disaster. It turned into a total power struggle every time. And, of course, he wasn't the only kid at home. I also had one-year-old twins. I remember basically having to sit on him to keep him in timeout. Okay, not literally, but he would not stay unless I was keeping him there. It was exhausting for me. It seemed to escalate the conflict. After a couple of weeks of this fiasco, I had this thought that just popped into my head that the best-case scenario was that I was doing no harm. But in reality, I felt like I was damaging our relationship and my son wasn't learning anything about how to behave better. Coming up, I share the answer I came up with and how I struggled a bit in the beginning. Then I'll go back to the listener's question on how much is enough and how to mostly walk that fine line between meeting our children's needs and our own. After a word from our new sponsor. Arm war makes getting dressed easy. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. home. Threads love where you live. Now, back to the program. I'm struggling with a two and a half year old who won't stay in timeouts unless I practically sit on him. I'm frustrated and it's wearing me out. He's getting more angry with me and determined to win and so we have a power struggle. I feel ineffective as a parent and I feel like I'm damaging our relationship. The one thing that means the most in the world to me. The one thing I am determined to not just preserve but to make as strong as I can. Because if I learned anything in graduate school, I learned that it's all about the relationship. That connection and love and respect can move mountains. So I knew that what I was doing was not the answer. I knew I had to find a better way. So I told my supervisor at work that I wanted to study more about child development and discipline methods. So she supervised my research. When I started learning about positive discipline and the tools, and there was no punishment per se, but that I was to rely heavily on positive methods, focusing on positive behaviors in order to motivate more positive behaviors, I was feeling like I was adrift in the middle of an ocean without a paddle. Because what do you do when your child misbehaves? And we were having quite a bit more misbehavior at that point in time. My parents relied heavily on punishments. Here, I thought I was doing so well, just using some time outs rather than shouting, fear, intimidation, threats, or spanking, or other physical forms of punishment. But this was really a big paradigm shift for me. I like setting goals and having solid plans in place. When X do Y results in Z. That's what I wanted. But obviously my previous Y when confronted with X wasn't leading to Z anyway. So I was committed to learning more about positive discipline. I loved everything I read and studied about it. I knew it was the way to build respectful relationships and teach and guide and mold my children into becoming the great human beings they had the potential to be but I knew it was going to take practice and commitment until it became second nature. So now for the question from Libby, a single mom who's feeling like she doesn't have enough to give her kids and is wondering how much is enough. She asks, can you clue me in on the psychology of what a child needs as far as attention, etc.? Often, when both of my kids are home, ages four and five, and playing or fighting, I'm usually in the midst of doing dishes and making dinner, etc. And then before I know it, it's bedtime. There is a bedtime ritual, which includes me giving them a foot massage and asking, trying to discuss their day, then telling them how much I love them. Is that enough? So there's a long and a short answer. The very short answer is, yes, this is enough. I will go into a bit of a longer answer without going too long because that could cover several graduate courses in psychology and child development and way more information than is really necessary here. So kids and humans have several different needs. First is their physical needs, food, sleep, warmth, water. Then is the social emotional needs, the feeling of belonging. A large portion of this foundation, what we call attachment, is built in infancy in that first year to 18 months. I will be doing a podcast and a class about attachment and attachment theory down the road. But just for some information, this is when the trust that our caretaker is there to fulfill our needs for food, love, keeping us dry, safe, warm, and fed comes in. This is where it comes from in early infancy. This is built to a large degree in that first year. After that, our job is to maintain it. When our children venture out to other caregivers in the world, these needs are met by more than one person. There is, of course, what we call the primary caregiver or caregivers, which is usually one or two, depending on family structure. And then secondary caregivers, like teachers, nannies, or close family members or friends. As our kids become more independent in their toddler years, can get toys for themselves, can get to the potty, these interactions that maintain attachment become a lot more about quality than quantity. A foot rub, a meal together, a snuggle at bedtime, reading a book together, even errands, such as a trip to the grocery store or the bank, can even be opportunities for bonding and connecting. So what this means is, no, we don't have to be at our kids beck and call when we're home and trying to run the household so that they can have food to eat and clothes to wear. Does it mean that if our kids' fights are escalating, that we need to stop what we're doing and step in and assist them and teach them good conflict resolution skills? Yes, of course. But it also means that bonding time together doesn't need to be a lot to make a big impact. So a little bit of focused time every day, yes great. Like I already shared, reading a book, giving a foot rub, some snuggles is plenty. My daughter is very girly and loves to do things like paint nails, so we do that together every so often. I'm not girly, so I don't care about keeping my nails painted. If I did, we'd do it more often. These are small but powerful opportunities to connect. But also to reiterate what I already shared, quality time does not even have to be time where the sole purpose is about the kids. Running errands, but still enjoying time together. My kids love to run errands with me. Different kids like different errands. So I'll take one or two on each errand and we all have a really nice time together. Also cooking with kids. I know, many times it is easier and faster to just do it yourself, but if you can spare those extra five minutes to let a child help add some ingredients or stir, those few extra minutes of prep time to be able to spend that 15 to 20 minutes doing something together can be well worth it and can go a very long way, including improving behavior, which may save you time down the road in dealing with negative behavior. Then when you can, some very special time, doesn't need to be anything big a trip for ice cream or a donut or just to sit and talk a trip to the park a trip to the library to things that are a little more time consuming like dinner or out to a movie and these can be fewer and further between this is plenty and will go a long way in building and maintaining the bond and keeping communication open as kids age So Libby, I hope this answers your question and any other parent who also has had any concerns about whether or not they're spending enough quality time with their kids. If you have a question about quality bonding time with your kids or any other parenting questions, you can send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple.